Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, a show that used to be about IVF. And it still is. If you have questions, emails, comments, concerns, we went through a lot of it, and our audience has gone through all of it. So, Pete, please feel free. Are you not going to let me introduce myself? Well, I was going to do that after I did this <laughs> preamble. Okay. That's Dory. So you're just switching things up like 229 episodes in. <sighs> With no no warning. You gotta make waves sometimes in order to cross the ocean. Hmm. What? <laughs> no. Let's just make up things that sound like sayings but mean nothing. Mm, like our own Zen cones. Yeah. What is that? Zen cone? Mm-hmm. What's that? It's like a it's like a deep thought. Like a Jack Handy deep thought? Yeah. But is it a person named Cohen? No, no. It's K O A N. Oh. 
that there was like a guy out there named Zen Cohen who made no. up things to say? Here's is it the, made up stuff? The, no, the, it is a paradox to be meditated upon that is used to train Zen Buddhist monks to abandon ultimate dependence on reason and force them into gaining sudden intuitive enlightenment. This is like the sound of one hand clapping, one of those? Yes. Yeah. That is exactly, that is like the uh-huh. ultimate one. All right. Sure. But as Bart Simpson pointed out, Lisa, it sounds like this. What's the question? <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. Yes. So blah, blah, blah. Send your emails. Send your questions over to Matt and Dory at Gmail or Dory Matt at Gmail or call us. Leave a voicemail. 413-461-BABY. Speaking of babies, ours is uh, hanging in there. Still here. Thank God. Henry has grown. He's about six and a half feet tall. <laughs> yep. Now, uh, well, this week we're going to the pediatrician. Uh, so we'll get you all a weight update. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, look, having put on these diapers as of late, it's clear he's no longer in the newborn size. Remember, like, two, in fairness, though, he's a month old. So, remember two days ago when I was like, next time we order diapers, we're gonna have to order size one. And you were like, no, we're not. Well, look, I still don't. I mean, we could make do with the other two boxes that we have. We have one box, we have one box of yeah. newborn left. Mm-hmm. Oh, the new I bought, we, we should, just have to, we should donate those to the like, the we should, like, um, I know where we can donate them. Perfect, great. There's an organization great. called Miri's List here in Los Angeles that helps get supplies for uh, refugees who have resettled here. Perfect. So I will reach out to her. She's in one of my Facebook moms. Hope groups. they need some newborn diapers. I'm sure they do. <sighs> I ordered too many. Classic me. Well, yeah, how are you to know? Well, how are I you mean, to know that he was going to grow a lot? What's the next one? What's the next size? Size one. Oh, there's no age on it. They just say size one. It's a weight thing. Oh, Newborn is up to 10 pounds. I think he's over 10 pounds. He feels it. Yeah. I mean, certainly with the 12 pounds of fluid he's taking in every day. <laughs> Look, he likes to eat. He's hungry. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. What, what's been going on this week in the, in the world of us? Well, we've had some... We've, uh, we have had our cavalcade of visitors has come to a close. Yep. Wrapped it up with John and Mary Myra. If you're a TNC listener, you heard you probably heard Mary's cameo at the end there. Um Yeah, it was good to have help. But, you know, as Dory and I have discovered, I you know, we, we barely make a decision on our own about like what's for dinner. The fact that there's two other people who have specific thoughts but don't express them in a way where they're trying to be very sweet and not rock the boat. But actually have preferences. But actually are just like, you know, um, I wish they'd just take my phone and order things. Uh, it's classic you. It is classic me. It's very much me. It's where I get it from, I guess. We don't, we don't like to impose us, Myra's, you know? We'll just, we'll just, you know my feelings on this. We'll just sit in the corner. And get upset when things don't go the way that you telepathically want them to. Well, my parents don't get upset. You do. I get upset with them. 
Hmm. Um, but uh, no, it's good. Uh, good. I'm glad they came out. It was good to have my mother around, who has no uh, qualms about sitting with a crying baby for as long as it needs to cry. She was very calming. With yes. The child. Yeah. I think a lot of years of pediatric nursing and four children, including one me, probably helped. Yeah. But, uh, you know, look, my dad was here. Friend, You know, everyone made friends with Bo. Let's talk about that right off the bat here. Mr. Beauregard Bosch Myra. Really? I mean, look, it was touch and go. You all know if you were listening to that episode 225 where we had the baby and brought him home and we're a little worried he was going to headbutt the baby or eat the baby. Uh, he has, I would say I would give a bow star student grade here. Yeah. He's, he's really been amazing. He truly has been, um, but just, uh, not flawless. Obviously he's a dog, he's bow. So he's still going to have some annoyances, but nothing not handleable. And I feel like all his annoyances have like, been solved with cheese. They're solved with cheese and they've also become predictable. Yes. Like one thing that he doesn't like is anytime anyone is handing the baby off to someone else. That's correct. Doesn't matter if it's Dory and I handing the baby to each other. Doesn't matter if it's um, Mary Myra handing Mary the baby. Mary Myra, baby, grandmother. Baby. Yeah. Like whatever combination of person it is, he he immediately runs over and like gets very gets kind of agitated about it i think he's trying to make sure the baby doesn't get stolen or maybe he's trying to make sure the baby doesn't get dropped adorable look bo's a protective brother um henry still doesn't seem to mind his uh, hair getting done by a tongue no um yeah i mean i'm thrilled that he is really uh behaving I agree. Up but to look, and including I mean, all the new people that have been in and yes, out of the house. Yes, that has been... I mean, I think as we got closer to Henry's arrival, that was starting to be more and more my concern. Like, how's he going to react to all these people coming in and out? And he's actually been great. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as we follow protocol. Yeah. And we knew that going into it. So... Yeah, but I would say he's even been better. Yeah, well, I think... The more people that he has to meet, yeah, the more acclimated he becomes to having to meet people. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Which is a good lesson for us. Like, I think for a while we were sort of... Like, no one should come over. It's yeah. lock this place down. Yeah. And now we're like... Which is very true. I mean, we just were. We were just not, you know... If you're listening to this and you're a friend of ours, it's not that we didn't want to have you over. We just didn't want you to have to deal with Bo. Yeah. Although, you know, the one thing he does with people he loves or likes is uh, really just jumps up and just drives his giant paws into their abdomen. Yeah, which is not great. <laughs> no. He's like, whines happily and then hops up. Yeah. Like, I don't know what he wants. Does he want to be, like, picked up and cradled? Like, what does he want? I don't know. From that. It's not good behavior, though. No. I try to discourage No, it. we do. Yeah. Well, you do. I mean, I do for strangers. 
but you let him do it to you. Which... I let him do anything he wants to me. Yeah, that that's not great. Sometimes, though, it's the only thing that'll calm him is uh, letting him go ham on my hand. He wants to like lick it like it's a honey baked ham. Well, I mean, that's when he's anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he's been he's been really really good about the baby and. Whenever he comes back, like if if he's being walked, mm-hmm. um, and he comes home, his first he he like trots over to the baby's room, mm-hmm. like makes sure everything's cool. If everything's status quo, then Bo can continue with his adventure. Yeah, he like he literally just pokes his head in, turns around, and goes back to the couch to sleep. Mm-hmm. But he just needs to make sure Henry's still there. Yeah, it's very cute. It's really cute. It's making me, I mean, I loved Bo a lot before, but it's making me love Bo more. I couldn't possibly love Bo more. I didn't think I've I could. I loved him the most. I didn't think I could, and of, now I love him more. Of everything, so. Um, but, I mean, I wish Henry responded to cheese at this stage, but he does not. <laughs> we can't feed him solids yet. Uh, but at the, you know, at the current rate of uh, growth... And strength. I feel like solids would be uh, next week on Thursday or something. <laughs> uh, where do where? So yeah, that's the bow situation. I've I've posted a couple of Instagram photos of bow happily hanging out while the baby's hanging out. That's been good. Really been enjoying my mornings with Henry as as early as they might happen. But uh, it's just some good quality Henry and Dad time. Yeah. That. Uh, Usually is me sitting him in front of me. So he's looking at me and him listening to YouTube while I watch YouTube. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I'll play guitar at his face, which he likes. He likes music. He likes a heavy, he likes a good solid rhythm. Mm -hmm. So he's been, you know, recently he's been enjoying the Johnny Cash catalog. Mm. Um. Did we talk about last week how he was into Man of Constant Sorrow? I don't think we did. Yeah, he was into the uh, into the uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. Yeah, uh, so that's been interesting. You know, I've been singing lullabies to him. Uh, I, I've been singing Folsom Prison Blues to him. Oh, yeah, it's very funny to me. That's basically because like there's lullaby. a good there's a good lesson in it. Always be a good boy. Don't ever play with guns. That is a good lesson. And then the next line is, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. But whatever. Hmm. It is what it is. Indeed. That's why he's stuck in Folsom Prison. Right. And time keeps dragging on. Yep. Uh, Let's see. What else is there to update people on? So as you all may know, I've cried at uh, two movies in my life. Awakenings and uh, Big Fish. Ladies and gentlemen, I've cried at three movies in my life. Endgame destroyed me and i don't i mean maybe it's post-pregnancy hormones for me possibly (laughs) but uh yeah really i'm so glad i waited so long so there wasn't a theater full of people staring at me while i sobbed openly anyway just thought i'd share that thank you you're welcome uh dory's been watching the oc She's on episode nine, I think. A lot of low-rise jeans. Let me just say, there's a lot of low-rise jeans and and questionable pop culture references where I'm like, mm, I don't know that that character would actually say that. 
Like what? Like, uh, God, what was her, the, you know, when they, when they failed to go to Tijuana, but made it to Tijuana. TJ? Um, for their five hour drive from Orange County, which is not at all what it would probably take like, I mean, unless they let ref left peak rush hour, maybe. Yeah. Um, I forget what it was, but it was something from the, from the snotty girl. Summer? Yeah. It was something from her where I was like, that doesn't sound right coming out of that person. Out of the characterization I've seen of that person for the 12 and a half minutes I've seen that person. Mm, Summer has, 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 has depth that you're not aware of. Well, I look forward to them exploring that as I see parts of it through my office doors. Sorry, (laughs) our office doors. Uh, Fleabag season two. That was enjoyable. We wrapped that up. You barely watched it. I saw four of the six episodes. You did? Yeah. Oh. All through the... <laughs> I mean, we have a giant television That's and true. you are deaf, so it works out mm. where I can watch things from here. Mm. Um, but... Uh, Fleabag is so good. I think I might rewatch the whole thing. She's great. She's very talented. Extremely. She's like the Taika Waititi of, of England. She's totally your type. Yeah. So is Taika Waititi. He's my type. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What I mean, we're just trying to update you guys on the week. If it's been, <sighs> have we left the house much? I barely have left the house. Dory and I went over our friends Jody and Neil. Uh, kindly uh, let us uh, give their glider a whirl. Yeah, they they transitioned their younger son into his big boy bed, mm-hmm. and we're getting rid of their glider. And they very kindly offered it to us. And I had been sort of ambivalent about getting a glider. Thought, well, we don't really have room for a glider. But then I was like, well, we could put it in the bedroom. As I said to Dory, where are we going to put it? She's like, I'll make a space. And then, and, and Jody happened to text me about this right as I was like, my back is really starting to kill me. My back is destroyed. That's why a lot of times I see you. You'll find me with him here. Yeah. So I have a high back office chair. So the glider is actually really comfortable Mm. to feed in. Yeah. And I was like, I think the glider will be more comfortable than my current situation, which is feeding like on a bed or on a couch. Have you thought about transitioning to pumping on the glider? I tried. I pumped on the glider this afternoon, Mm. uh, this morning. Yeah. How'd it go? Um, It went okay, except, you know, I don't think like leaning back is so great for pumping. Interesting. Just because you kind of want gravity to be. But then wouldn't it be not great for feeding? Feeding and pumping, you're getting the same. I hear you, but he's so, I don't know. It it seems fine for feeding. All right. I don't know. Uh, But it was, it was fine. I will, I am sure I will pump on that chair again. Yeah. Guys, if you're a parent, how, I have a question for you all. Is there some sort of equitable way to divvy up the evenings? Thank you. Because I feel like my the way we're doing it is unfair to you. That's what I feel like. To me? Yeah. How so? I feel like you got the shitty end of the stick. I'm a woman. We always get the shitty end of the stick. Well... Typically, yes, but in my new matriarchal society, I'm launching. Oh, uh, you're invited. Thank you. Uh, it's in this house. 
Cool. And it always has been run by you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just feel like I'm, you know, I do. Uh, Sorry, everyone. That, that was, was the loudest thing I've ever heard. It was just hitting the mic stand. Wow. That was weird. It really that reverberates. That was really weird. I'm sorry. Well, it was the spring on the My apologies. shock absorbing. Um, so here's how this will go, right? Dory and I will split the evening up as follows. I get him. Essentially, I take until 3 a.m. And, but it's not like at 3 a.m. We're off the hook. At 3 a.m. It's like, let me make sure Dory's pumping. Get her up for pumping. But then it's like also like, well, not only do you have to pump right now, but he's all yours. Good luck. That And then that doesn't feel right. And then usually I'm up when he wakes up at like 7. And then I take the morning until about 10. And then we're both active. Yeah, I mean, I I don't mind taking the morning if I get a little bit of sleep after that. But last night was just... He, he was up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's not fair, right? Because well, then you're up from like three to seven. You're up for four hours. But you're up in the earlier part of the night. But I wouldn't be asleep anyway. Even if you had that, like if you're like, I got this, I'd be up anyway. But so, no, I mean. So it doesn't seem fair because I get to sleep and you don't. No, I get to sleep while you're up. I'm asleep until three. Yeah, but like what time do you go to sleep? 11. That's only what? That's four hours. It's not enough sleep. You just said that you are sleeping from three to seven. It's four. That's fine with me. I don't mind sleeping four hours. You do. Listen, I appreciate it, but I don't see another way that other than you just staying up all night, which doesn't make sense. Let's try it. No. It'll be fun. No, no, no. no. I'll just nap all day. You know how much I love naps now? You hate naps. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we're we're trying to figure that out, guys. If we ever come to a conclusion. We sort of, yesterday we had a good system going almost. During the day. During the day, it was like, let's trade off every two hours. Uh, And it's not like trade off all responsibility. It's just like, who's on monitor duty and who needs to go get him or, you know. Yeah. Wake him, change him, feed him. Uh, And that sort of worked. You know, the, the, the wild card is bath time. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to start a bedtime routine already a month in a part of it is, you know, all you motherfuckers who said, just you wait, you say you're going to put him in a crib. Well, guess what? Assholes. (laughs) Our son has never not been in his crib and has slept in his room by himself since day one. You're welcome. Wow. Oh, we're going to get so many angry emails about that. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm Guess sorry. who checks the emails? Dory Shafrier Me. Of the internet. Dot net. Oh, boy. Um, no, but look, I feel good about our son's sleeping. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it is really nice to put the kid in there and watch him on the monitor be awake and watch him on the monitor fall asleep. It's really nice to know that for now maybe you people will say just you wait that's how it is in the first month and then all hell breaks loose and that might be what we're in the midst of right now all hell breaking loose but i'm very thankful that i we don't have to transition him to to his room 
You know, I, I hate I hate just you wait comments for many reasons. Yes. One of the reasons that I hate them is because it forces you out of the moment. It forces you to be just constantly anxious about what's to come. Which is my least favorite way of enjoying media. I don't like things that make me too anxious. Right. So it's like, okay, just let me let me exist in my in my current moment right now. Mm. I don't I don't need to worry about what's coming down the pike when he's six months old. Honey, that might be your Zen Cohen. It might be. <laughs> Is it my Seth Cohen though? It's your Zen it's your Cohen brothers. It's your O oh, brother, where art thou? If there's a brother, where art thou? <laughs> Think about it. Um it's your Buster Scruggs. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, the Cohen brothers. Oh, um, country for old men. We also had a little bit of a come to Jesus about breastfeeding this week. Yeah, a lot of decisions get made while I'm a, a pooping in the bathroom. <laughs> so I come out of the bathroom, you know, as, as, a, well, as many on, of you know, on, the only place I can on. get solace is the bathroom. Hold on. Let's back up a second. Sure. And give everyone the context for this. Look, you know, breastfeeding has been not the easiest thing for Dory. Yes. And in the last few days, especially getting on the left boob has been a struggle for him. And by struggle, I mean bloody murder. Like won't even go on the boob before he starts screaming. Although this morning that was not the case. He went on the boob without a fuss. Well, like I said to you, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that he just won't. Yeah. You know, I just think there are times when we have to be like, okay. Right. Like if he's especially hungry, even if he's just eaten on the right boob, he sees the left boob and he's like, and like gets so angry. Mm -hmm. His face, his little face is all red. And And he does that thing where he stops breathing while he winds up for another bellow. Yeah. And and it's, it's like so sad and you feel so bad. So one time in the last few days I was, trying to feed him on the left boob and matt and it was let's be honest it was a it was a long try yeah it was a few minutes yeah and matt said don't you think you're being a little selfish i did say that but in reality i thought i only thought it i didn't remember saying it out loud but he said it i said it out loud guys i thought it was i thought dory was being (laughs) i'll get the hate email and it's fine i get it it wasn't a great thing to say out loud but i thought it I said, I thought to myself, well, this is like, you're putting this kid through agony because you want to breastfeed. We're getting breast milk. So you're getting the, you know, all the, all the vitamin benefits of it. So this moment right now where this kid is screaming bloody murder, uh, is only happening because you want to be breastfeeding was what my brain was thinking. Anyway, it really upset me. And I didn't realize that it really upset her because I thought, I thought it silently to myself. Cut to a few days later, our postpartum doula was here and I was talking to her about breastfeeding and I was like, I don't know. I, like, I think maybe it's just, just not happening. Like I should just stop. And we kind of talked about pumping and, how he would do that. And she was like, you know, whatever you want to do. She's, she's very like low pressure. She's not like a breastfeeding at any cost person. Mm-hmm. Um, at any cost. It seems like a terrible way to do anything. Well, I think there are people like that. 
Mm. Um, anyway, so we were having this conversation while Matt was pooping. Mm-hmm. And he came out of the poop room and... Uh, having lit a candle that made it smell like Pirates of the Caribbean in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and poop. Yeah. Um, and I said, I think I'm going to stop breastfeeding. Yeah, I just came into the office and Dory was sitting there and she's just like, so... I'm going to stop breastfeeding. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then you got much more upset than I than I thought you were going to. I thought your reaction was going to be like, oh, thank God. We don't have to go through this torture anymore. No. But in fact, you convinced me to keep breastfeeding. Yes. In a, in a surprise twist. Well, it's not a surprise twist. Sometimes I think things and that's that. I didn't know. I said it out loud. <laughs> Follow up to that. I think, you know, I, we were just, I just had a rational conversation with you about it. It's like, what, you, what do you like about breastfeeding? And you're like telling me. I'm like, well, okay, well, we don't have to stop this. You can always feed on the one boob and pump the other boob. Yeah. You can always, you know, it's just like my worry here was like, she tells me, she, I know that she wants to do this thing. You know, I know she wants to be breastfeeding. So for what seemed like left field for her to be like, we're not, I'm not going to do it anymore. I was just like, wait what that was it was just crazy to me the thought that you would all of a sudden decide you didn't want to mm. and i when in fact and you looked hurt and i was like why would you do this to yourself i was hurt yeah and i said this is this is not what we should be doing and i Let's said think of a way to work around but you called me selfish the crazy and agony then you said i said that <laughs> out loud <laughs> no i thought it I just don't remember. I didn't remember saying it. Um, but look, in the moment, I'm just watching my kid just crying. Yes, I get it. And that was why I decided to stop. But the reality of it was you didn't have to stop altogether. But then I didn't stop. It was, And then like what the next feeding, he's like loving the right boob. Yeah. Because you, you know what I think? I think it took the pressure off your boob. Thanks. I think your boob is like Thanks, feeling boob. like I don't have pressure. I, I can just I can just go at my own flow. Mm. And not, I don't have to worry about being engorged Except or clogging. I was engorged this morning. Look, I'd like to invent a good nipple shield. I personally think that they're all kind of garbagey. Yeah, I'm not. There needs to be some sort of. Uh, don't love them. You know, I get it. I just need to like, you know, you you need to give me one of your nursing bras and a couple nipple shields, and I need to go down, go into the shed, and come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, he's gonna because I think I can do it. Really, I think I can do it because homemade. like it's like what do you need? It's like you want the contact, the the baby contact, baby skin contact, but like you're always trying to pull your boob away from his nose as to not suffocate the kid. True. So it's like, well, he's not really getting contact at that point anyway. But I could cut a hole there. Yeah. A little nose, little nose spot. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the boob contact, we're just going to have to deal with the cups a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. going to have to deal with that. I'm going to have to do some cross-stitching. But I think I can make a nursing bra that will keep your keep the seal and make everybody happy. I look forward to this. Sharks. What if I told you? <laughs> That the caboobal now came <laughs> with the ultimate breastfeeding bra. Uh, I look forward to your uh, 
new career as a breastfeeding entrepreneur. Well, it's like I get why there's so many baby products on the market. Because like every parent is like, wait, this thing should work better. Yeah. Why doesn't this thing work better? Yeah. And then occasionally there's a parent with like a design background and engineering background goes, this should work better. I can do this. True. And I have neither background, but I do have a, this should work better. I can do this attitude. You do have that attitude. <laughs> like talk about how the glider got in the house. Oh my goodness. He took the, he took the door off. He took a door off its hinges. I had to take a door off its hinge because it would not fit through the door unless there was no door there. So I removed a door that I don't honestly don't think had been removed since the 20s. You did it. You also did it much quicker than I thought you were going to. Why? I don't know. It just seemed like it was it was going to be an impossible task <laughs> and that you were going to get it like half off and then not be able to do it. And we were going to have this glider stuck in my bathroom forever. <laughs> that's a scenario. I look, I mean, that's just saying that's, that's just giving me no uh, follow through whatsoever. No, I give you a lot of follow through. It just seemed like our house is so janky that, it is janky. I was like, this door is not coming off. Look, I scored it. But he did it, everyone. Got my got a got cleaned out the flathead point and was able to do it. And what I did you know what I was surprised by was how short the screws were. I was genuinely surprised by that. Big threading but short screws. Were they, they were self driving with Were screws. they clearly old screws? Yes. Well the flathead is your number one clue clue as to oh phillips are newer phillips said weren't, weren't even invented until like the 50s really yeah oh i didn't know the history of screws mm -hmm. probably by a guy named philip probably i don't know what's the history of the phillips head screw now i want to look it up okay do you think it's related to the foley balloon well, the foley catheter which i looked up for one of the nurses or some who i forget who was asking us about it but I was like, well, let me look this up. Everyone's asking about this this balloon situation. Let me figure out the urologist Foley who invented it. Uh, Phillips head screwdriver. No, screw. Let's talk about the invention of it. Uh, list of screwdrivers. <laughs> Cross screw. Phillips head screw. Henry F. Phillips. Look at that. For the Phillips Screw Company, improving design for the adoption of the product. The original patent expired in 1966. Wow, we had it patented. I mean, just ka-ching, right? But it didn't tell me when he invented it. He was mm. born in 1889, died in 58. The credit inventor of the Phillips Screw was John P. Thompson, who patented it. Oh, 1932. Still before the house was built. Still after the house was built, you mean? I mean, yes, that's what I meant. The house was built before the invention. The house of sand and fog. <laughs> the house was built in 1924. There we go. So, and it also like didn't really catch on until later. Mm -hmm. One of the first customers was General Motors, who used the design in their 1936 Cadillac. 
Anyway. Look at that. All right. Well, I think we should take a short break. Short break, and then we'll hear from you, the concerned listener. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like you know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, if for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hey, everybody, we're back. We are. Oh, you know what? I forgot to say. I don't know what. In the beginning, I forgot to apologize to our listeners for the snafu last week. Ugh. That was quite a snafu. I blame me. So, yeah. Thanks for sticking with it. I had to completely rename the file and the episode in order to make sure that people 
got the refresh. And then it data. like still didn't work on some apps. Sure. It's I just as an aside, I do find the process of updating a podcast episode quite cumbersome in terms of how Apple Podcasts processes it. Well, you used to be able to ping uh, iTunes. So you used to be able to tell iTunes as the podcast provider to refresh your server. Right. And it doesn't do that anymore. You can't ping it anymore. And there, whenever I've had this issue, there's always been a problem. And by the way, it's an issue that happens from time to time. Yeah. I got to be honest. I'm surprised it hasn't happened more. I would say it's happened probably five to five times maybe in the history of our show. Yeah. Which is, look, not great. Not a great percentage, but look, 90, 98% of the time, hey, yeah, we did it right. Yeah. So hopefully tonight goes by easily. Um, yeah. It was a file problem. It was my bad. I think I numbered the file wrong. I think you put you put in the file from last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I just pulled the name. Like, I had the name in my head wrong mm. of what the number was. Mm. And then I pulled that in. And I saw it say 55 minutes. I was like, oh, that seems right, because we did it in chunks. And it, I don't feel like it was that long. Turns out we did a longer episode. It was an hour and six-ish. Right. Um, I tricked myself. Yeah. Because I looked at the, I looked, looked at the waveform. I looked at the time, and uh, I foolishly tricked myself into believing that I had done it correctly. So, thank you for bearing with our new parent brains. Yeah. Mostly mine. We apologize. Dory apologizes for me. All right. Let's hear from you all. Um, We are still hearing from a lot of you about breastfeeding. Thank you for all of your input. Um, Can't wait for next week when we hear from all of you about breastfeeding and me calling people selfish. (laughs) Whoops. Um, I mean, the takeaway from all of these emails is basically like, do what feels right for you. Yeah, and I could tell that that didn't feel right for you. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, So I'm just going to read a couple of these. Mm -hmm. This first one is from Sunny. She says... When I heard you mention making sage pasta, I had to stop the pod to email you. Sage is a food that can decrease milk production. I found this out the hard way when my, ba- when my baby was about four months old and we got pumpkin sage pasta from Costco and basically ate it for a week straight. <laughs> my milk supply went down almost eight ounces and I was freaking out until I realized it was probably from the insane amounts of sage I was ingesting. Peppermint is another one and there are a few more. I was exclusively pumping, so I started doing power pumping twice a day. Highly recommend if you are looking to increase your milk supply. It mimics cluster feeding. And got it back up in about a week, but man, it scared me and I wanted to share. Well, thank you um, for that tip. I didn't realize that. I did not I didn't, I didn't know sage was uh, not, not, not a sage choice. Boo. I see what you did there. Uh, and since I've mentioned exclusive pumping, we were in a similar boat to you guys after my science baby was born. Flat nipples, nipple shields, a little jaundice, could not gain weight, was not getting any milk during weighted feeds with a lactation consultants. I was put on the nurse slash bottle slash pump schedule and it was horrible. I felt like I spent no time I mean, bonding. are we doing that? No, not exactly. Because nurse bottle pump is in all in the same feed. Oh, 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 wow. And you're supposed yeah, to do okay. that every feed. Gotcha. 
Um, I felt like I spent no time bonding with my child and felt a lot of pressure from my pediatrician and lactation consultant to continue nursing despite my nipples being torn up to the point of needing antibiotics Hmm. and also baby getting no milk. After a month, I stopped nursing and just pumped and was so happy with my decision. I exclusively pumped for 10 months and banked enough milk to feed my baby until he's almost 15 months old. I'm so proud of myself for achieving that goal, and it was hard. But looking back, I spent about 45 days of the first 10 months of my son's life attached to a pump. I had a great supply and pumped him over 84 gallons of milk. Oh, my God. I have an app that kept track. I just I don't just know this off the top of my head. I love that I can give my son breast milk, but at what cost? I could have spent those 45 days enjoying my time with him by giving him formula instead of constantly having to hook up every few hours. Hmm. All of this is to say, do what feels right, but also do what feels good. At the time, it felt right to pump, and I don't regret nourishing my child in this way. And I definitely do not feel like I should have nursed him. It didn't work for us and wasn't going to work for us. I'm so happy that I stopped trying to make it happen. But now I wish I'd spent less time worrying about milk and more time worrying about cuddling him and taking care of myself. Babies are going to grow up healthy and strong, whether they have breast milk or formula. So you do you. Love listening to you guys, and I'm so happy for you, Sunny. Sunny, we're on the same wavelength. But that was a, a great perspective. Yeah. Um, okay. So this next one is from Annie. How do you feel about where you're at right now? I'm feeling pretty good. I, like, I do feel like he's getting more. I mean, he's getting more everything. Efficient on the boob, but he still needs. 85 gallons. <laughs> he, still, he still needs, you know, almost a whole feed bottle feed after he nurses yeah but the bottle is what four ounces yeah he seems to be taking six now right so so maybe he is getting a couple so. yeah um he's definitely nursing for longer on the boob like than he used to look if he's quiet and happy and you're happy to be doing it then yeah keep on keeping on Thanks, man. But when he's miserable and you're feeling bad about yourself, that's when we say, how about a bottle, pal? I mean, we're on the same page about this. I know. I was just trying to give out sage wisdom. <laughs> oh. Don't eat sage. It's, it's not right. good for the breast milk. Okay. So this next email from Annie might be controversial. I love controversy. I imagine that the lactation consultants listening are not going to take kindly to what she has to say. Do we have any? I'm sure we do. I just want to know how I feel about lactation. I just want to preface. I just want to preface this email by saying that, uh, in the same way that retweets are not endorsements. Just want to say for the record, let me just, before Annie gives her email, I haven't read it yet, but I just, for the record of the two lactation consultant experts I've dealt with, the one at the hospital, and the one that we saw at the pediatrician's about office, the one at the I didn't. Uh, they seem to just say things. The end. That's what I will say. Okay. Well, you're going to like what Annie has to say. Okay. This is in all caps. All right. Lactation consultants are a scam. Listening. <laughs> Oh, yes, they sound supportive and nice, and they do mean well. But almost every person I know who went to one had their feeding deteriorate afterwards. That stupid triple play, i.e. nurse pump feed with pump milk or formula, is a recipe for feeding problems. 
I mean, babies aren't dumb. The more they use a bottle, the more they hold out for the bottle. Right. And all the tongue tie garbage. Yes, some babies have ties, but most just have a normal (laughs) frenulum that these non-medical professionals deem a problem because, I don't know, they learned about it in the same place where they believe your average newborn is satiated for two hours by 10 minutes of nursing. I could go on, but I won't. I'll just say that I've met many lactation consultants and never spoke to a single one, even the certified ones, who knew any more than I did or could explain their recommendations in terms that made a lick of sense if you thought about it for five seconds. She gets me. I will say that I was not expecting her next paragraph. Oh. As the mom of two kids, both of whom I exclusively breastfed. Weren't you expecting her to be like... No. Really? No. I, I not was not all. expecting her to be to have exclusively breastfed after I'm, all that. Uh, if she's someone who has had has talked to a bunch of lactation girls, I would assume it was someone who has, was trying to breastfeed. Yeah. All right. I will just say that I know that breastfeeding at the beginning can be really rough. You just offer and offer and offer and you try different things and you despair. I seriously remember crying hysterically while my son shook his head back and forth and refused the nipple. And then magically he latched on. I was shocked and it felt like it would never happen again, but it did. And then there were the weeks of just sitting and nursing and nursing and nursing. And people would say, oh, it's a growth spurt, but it was every damn day. And then it got easier, way easier to the point where it is way simpler than bottle feeding because while you don't have to clean bottles or worry about bottles or think about buying formula or even spend a single moment concerned about whether they are getting enough because they always get the right amount. And nursing becomes a time of ease and peace and calm, the exact opposite of how it feels right now. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to Matt. I like you, Matt. Don't get me wrong. Indeed, the previous time I wrote in was to defend you, but you have got to let up on this pro bottle hectoring. There is nothing wrong with formula. I'll get to that in a second. But you seem not to understand that feeding a baby is a very emotional thing for a new mom. And that constantly pushing formula is only going to engender resentment and more stress. I wasn't pushing formula. I was pushing a bottle. Because well, now on top formula of too. everything else, it will make Dory feel like she has to defend her desire to nurse. I know it's coming from a good place because it is hard to see someone you love struggling. Matt, you're not going to like the first part of the podcast where I said it was selfish. But stop it anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like we did kind of work through that this week. That's not our Annie and Matt, is it? No. Oh. It's like, that's hilarious if they did the right it. <laughs> um, oh, and exclusively pumping, that is a recipe for crazy. Dissenting viewpoint from the first emailer. Most people, although she did say she wasted a lot of time exclusively pumping. Well, she had it all thanks to the app, 45 days. Right. And 85 gallons. 84 gallons. Most people who exclusively pump get up all night for the entire first year and constantly stress about their supply. And it is basically in the worst of all worlds. All the rigmarole of bottle feeding with none of the convenience of formula. If you don't believe me, check out exclusive pumper Facebook groups and you'll see the amount of stress these women are constantly under. If you're going to stop breastfeeding or combo feed, for God's sake... Just use formula. My sister had a lot of breastfeeding issues and wound up. Who's this? This is Annie. What are you talking about? So we jumped from Annie to Matt to Annie? No, no, no. There's no Matt. Oh, she was saying to me. She was talking to you. I I thought there was a Matt all of a sudden in there. She was talking to you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, My sister had a lot of breastfeeding issues and wound up combo and then formula feeding and damned if it didn't have some benefits. First, her child is the most chill baby in the world, maybe not directly a result of formula feeding, sure. But at the beginning, all that formula would just knock her the fuck out and she would sleep for hours at a time. Whereas my breastfed kiddos just took little cat naps. 
And then as the baby got older, my sister could leave the house easily, whereas I was always pumping at work or had to bring the kiddo to conferences, a joy truly and such. In that sense, formula feeding truly was more convenient. I truly believe that formula is the greatest feminist invention, more so even than the pill. I hate, hate, hate the way that breastfeeding is held out as the better thing to do. It's not. I worked damn hard at the beginning to do it, and I loved it, but I can't explain why. Oxytocin high. And I don't think it is any better than any other kind of feeding. So guys, I'm not saying there's anything you should do or not do except Matt lay off. <laughs> Seriously. But I guess I would just say I really remember how stressful these early weeks are. The early days are just about survival. And you're surviving. Henry's surviving. So hey, great job. That's not a joke. I really mean it. And one thing that is also true, but I don't think I would have believed at your stage, it really, really does get easier. It gets harder and harder until six weeks, and then it gets easier and easier. And yes, then they start teething or saying no or whatever else, and it gets more difficult. But even those stages pale in terms of stress and exhaustion compared to the way it is right now. Take care. Annie. Um, boy, I wonder how she's going to react to that first part of the podcast there. Well, I thought we worked through it. Well, yeah. I mean, just, you know, conversation and while I was pooping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, I just want, I want everyone to be happy. I know. However they I know. manage to do that. I know. If it's easy to be happy this way, be happy that way. I know. But if you, what you want is the hard thing and you know you want the hard thing, then all right. <sighs> Guys. Stop being so selfish and breastfeeding your babies. It's ridiculous. Just kidding. Um, Well, I thought we would follow this up with an email from Leah, who says, I feel like all my years of listening to The Nerdist and Excellent Adventure were to lead me to the two best pieces of parenting advice I've ever heard in my life from Matt Myra. About time. In a span of 30 seconds. Number one, don't feel bad. Your kid is being a dick. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Number two, just because it's not shooting out of your boob at the time he's drinking it doesn't make you a bad mom. It's true. <laughs> Needle pointed on a pillow, printed on a shirt. I'll buy it. Get it in skywriting. <laughs> Love all your podcasts. Love you guys, Leah. Thank you, Leah. Yeah. I mean, I think I've. I don't know. I don't know. It's been interesting being a. As a as the father of a newborn. You really feel like you're in the sidelines all of the time. Like you're not getting the call to the big leagues at any point. Mm. And you feel like then what 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 does that make you? It makes you someone who can Monday morning quarterback everything that's happening. Because you're sitting there, you're just observing. And you're just like, well, why, why aren't you doing this? So there, it's weird. I will say that. I think that part's weird. I think you're doing a great job. I'm trying. Except when I don't want to try. That's when I'm sleepy. <laughs> You're allowed to be sleepy. Um, I'm sleepy. No, I th- I'm just like very thankful that we have uh, found uh, Holly, who has been babysitting here and there in the mornings at 9 a.m. Because it allows me to have my essentially 6 a.m. We're up for the feed. I wake up by mid-feed when Bo has jumped on the bed for the 19th time. <laughs> and then essentially I'm up from 6.30 till whenever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just great. She comes at nine. And I don't have to think about it. Because I'm like, well, here's how much formula he's had. This is how many times he's listened to Love Shack. 
I think he's about ready for sleep. Anyway. <sighs> if you'd like me to babysit your kid, I'm free around nine. I'll head over. I gotta be back by like 11, though. Uh, um, okay. If you see a painted side on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> all right, just couple more voicemails about breastfeeding and then we're going to move on. I mean, this is uh, let's hear it. Sure. Hi, uh, this is Basha. Um calling in about your teeny little tongue tie situation that you mentioned on the podcast. Apologies if you've gotten like 600 voicemails about this and also for being a crazy person who calls your podcast a lot. But I'm a no first time parent um, to an almost nine-month-old, and we had a lot of nursing issues. Um, my wife gave birth, but I induced lactation, so we were co-nursing, and my baby had a tongue tie, so it's just been, like, a lot of nursing information really quickly that now I am bring, brimming with. Hmm. Um, and I noticed that you said you thought your lactation consultant ran out of things to say when she brought up the tongue tie. So here's my little, like, review of a tongue tie situation, and I'm just going to go through it and sorry if you already know all this stuff and it's redundant but um, nursing is actually a lot more complicated than we think it is um, imagine you're like uh, drinking from one of those like water bottles with a little nozzle mm-hmm. uh, continuously without taking a pause to breathe for 30 straight minutes it's like a suck swallow breathe combination mm-hmm. that Actually, babies can sustain for like, you know, some babies nurse for like an hour when they're first born, right? So that there's a lot going on there where they can actually like suck the milk out, swallow it, and continue to breathe through their nose all at once in this continuous rhythm. It's much harder than it sounds. And when everything is going great with the oral anatomy, uh, that all happens really easily. And when there's something off, like you said, your baby has a high palate that gets a lot trickier. And the reason is that they're not actually sucking the way you would suck from a bottle or a water bottle. They're extracting the the milk by lifting their tongue up toward the roof of their mouth. And there is some suck that happens there, but it's um, much more about the mechanics of the tongue. And when there's an anterior tongue tie, which is a tongue tie that goes to the front of the tongue, you can see that little, like, flap of, uh, maybe flap is the wrong word, but that little, like, um, string of skin of flesh that comes under your tongue, you can see it connecting to the tip of the tongue. And so that's really clear. The, the baby can't stick their tongue out. It can't lift. It can't move. And that's a, that's a, obviously like you sip that, great. The tongue is no movement. A posterior tongue tie is what your lactation consultant was indicating your baby has. And she should have given you more information because it's very tricky. Um, what that means is you can't really see the tie. It's not like tied up to the front of the tongue. But all the muscle there and the skin and the tissue is really, really tight. And what that means is that your baby's tongue doesn't have as much movement, especially going in an upward direction toward the roof of their mouth, which means it, uh, Henry's tongue isn't really like extracting milk out of your nipple with enough uh, force and suction because he doesn't have the mobility to push his tongue. She called back. Good. Because that was mid Hi, uh, Basha calling back Doesn't have because, mobility. I got because I have way too much to say about um, tongue ties and oral anatomy. Um, and probably someone called in to say it better, like, I don't know, Ramekin queer listener. Um, <laughs> I'm just uh, the other queer listener. <laughs> and anyway, I'm just going to um, 
finish up what I was saying. Um, basically, a uh, posterior tongue tie is not a tiny little throwaway comment the way it seems like your lactation consultant made it sound. And I don't know um, if she just isn't super well-versed in all the intricacies of posterior tongue ties, but most lactation consultants are not trained on them because the incidence of finding posterior tongue ties has, like, I don't know, like quadrupled or something in recent years, something wild. Um, so there's a lot of questions about uh, is there something, like, in the water, in the air, making these go up, or a lot of people are thinking that they've always been happening in high numbers, um, but everyone used to just, like, formula feed or bottle feed when baby couldn't get the ha- handle a handle on breastfeeding, so maybe these have always been around and we're just learning more and diagnosing them now. But anyway, um, your option, therefore, is to revise or not revise. And revise means when they take either medical scissors or a little laser and make a little incision to open up the posterior tongue tie. Um, and because this is such a new phenomenon, there's no good research about whether this is a effective medical intervention. Um, but you can do like a deep Google and get a lot of parents' opinions about it. We did it for our baby. That's terrifying. Ultimately, I don't know if it helps nursing, but I have no regrets about doing it because on the off chance that it did, like we wanted to throw everything we had um, at that effort. And it was it's a really quick procedure. It seemed to hurt her less than her gas. So we didn't really feel bad about it. You have to do these stretches. They're pretty easy. Um and there are, like, time. photos and videos of adults who've had tongue ties released, and their entire, like, shoulders and neck relax. Our lactation consultant actually had it done as an adult, and she said the second it was released, she felt her whole body relax in a way that it never had before. So there's some anecdotal personal evidence also that, like, for all of these other reasons, it's a good thing to release. Anyway, um, do a deep Google. Our doctor was Dr. Bond. You can look at his website. It's B-A-H-N, I think. B-A-N-H. Um, but good luck. Henry seems awesome. And I'm sure you guys will make the right decision about all of this nursing stuff. Or I guess rather there is no right decision, <laughs> but he'll do what works for you. Okay. Bye. Wow. A lot to digest. Yep. Look, I get replacing every part of the baby <laughs> until the baby works again. <laughs> Sometimes that's what happens when I fix uh, amplifiers or guitars. Just got to track that problem down. Mm. Might not be this, but it might be this. But I like to keep my amplifiers and guitars original as much as I can. So I don't know how that relates to babies. I'd like to keep Henry original. Okay. Fair. Um, look. I'm glad that you found a doctor and didn't just listen to a lactation consultant regarding the tongue tie. Tongue ties seem made up. I, I think you are. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I like asked her, her like, oh no, I was like, will it affect his speech? Um, I mean, because if you can't, you know, yeah, someone, move your tongue. someone actually wrote in, I don't think we're gonna have time to read this email, but someone wrote in, um, saying that she had taken her baby to a speech pathologist to fix the tongue tie mm-hmm. and that actually helped. So it is all connected. Well, yeah, which is why I didn't buy it when the doctor said, no, it wouldn't affect. I was like, 
doesn't make any sense. How would you form syllables? All right. Guys, we're going to move on. There's a lot of tongues to discuss. Yeah. And very little tongue time. Tongue time? Um, we actually have a couple of IVF questions. Fantastic. That's what we do here yeah. sometimes. Okay. This is a long one. I just want to mm-hmm. make sure you're aware. It's from Liz. Found you guys this January after suffering a ruptured ectopic pregnancy that Mm. required emergency surgery. Mm. Needless to say, those were some depressing days and months, and listening to your own account of the highs and lows of fertility treatments was incredibly comforting. While I have very supportive friends and somewhat supportive family, none of them have been through IVF, and only a few have had pregnancy losses, so when I talk to them, I often feel like an alien trying to explain outer space to earthlings, which can be both fun and also exhausting. Yeah. I'm writing to you now in complete desperation over whether or not to transfer one or two embryos for my upcoming IVF cycle in July. This question has been weighing on my mind constantly, and I've talked to many different people and spent countless hours researching online, yet I'm still totally stumped. Each time my partner and I think we've come to the right conclusion, I read one more article or talk to one more person, and I'm questioning our decision again. I'm an academic, so doubting everything I hear and doing my own research is one of the few real-world applicable things I'm actually trained in. So I'm hoping you might help me to send out the single or double embryo transfer signal. Let me tell you a little bit about our situation. I'm 37 years old. Mm -hmm. My partner is a woman. We've been trying to get pregnant for a year now. We've had two IVF cycles, one failed double embryo transfer without Mm -hmm. genetic testing, and one planned double embryo transfer that did not occur because the genetic test results came back abnormal. Mm -hmm. We've had three IUIs, one of which ended in ectopic pregnancy. All of my tests have come back perfectly normal, many of them better than normal, and my most recent antral follicle count is apparently outstanding. My previous two IVF cycles were in Kazakhstan, Mm -hmm. where I was working at the time and where IVF is far more affordable than here. I'm now back in Northern California, and my partner and I were thrilled to find out that one IVF cycle is fully covered under our new insurance. Yay. Due to financial issues, including the fact that I'm not currently working and we will be doing an expensive cross-country move in August, we have decided not to do genetic testing this cycle. Since starting treatment here, I've been surprised at my doctor's reticence to do a double embryo transfer, which is absolutely standard in Kazakhstan. They never even mentioned the possibility of transferring less than two embryos. My doctor here said if it was entirely up to him, he would be fine with transferring two embryos in my case. He mentioned that in the 35 to 37-year-old age group, they have seen slightly reduced pregnancy rates when transferring one embryo versus two. In spite of this, Kaiser policy says that for women 35 to 37, one is the limit. However, my doctor said since he will not be doing my transfer according to the schedule, we can consult with the doctor doing the transfer, and that doctor might be willing to make an exception to the policy in our case. As the time for my cycle draws nearer and I consider the realities of a twin pregnancy, I wonder if this is the right move. My acupuncturist warned about the dangers of multiple pregnancy, which she said is often fine in the first two trimesters, but then, quote, shit hits the fan in the third trimester. While her patients and their babies have been fine in the end, it can be very stressful. She also mentioned that her only patients who have had problem-free twin pregnancies are very tall, so there's enough room for two babies. Since I'm relatively petite, 5'2", and roughly 125 pounds, she would be concerned. My acupuncturist also surprised me by saying that there's research out there showing that when two embryos are put in, they are almost in competition with each other, and this competition may make implantation less likely. These are two things I've never even considered and can't find information about online. Then don't consider it. 
I feel like move on. That is past that. Not move a past real that. Move past thing. that. Also, just this month, I had an ultrasound that revealed a dominant follicle growing in each ovary. Might this mean my body is okay with a twin pregnancy since it's trying to have twins on its own this month? No, it just means you're making two eggs that are similar sized. So then I guess I have two key questions to pose to some of our knowledgeable eggheads out there. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, is a twin pregnancy really that much more risky? Or are the risks of twin pregnancies being highly emphasized these days to get patients like us to stop pestering our doctors to transfer multiple embryos? I think twin, twin pregnancies, pregnancies are, are more, much, much more, more risky. risky. So first of all, you should be talking to your OBGYN about the pregnancy issue of a twin pregnancy. You should get information from your OB because your IVF doctor, their job is done after they drop that baby. They drop it in, they do your beta test, thumbs up, and then you go back another week later and then they kick you to the curb, say thank you for the $150,000. It was nice having you. (laughs) Then you're under the care of your OB. So that's the person you want to talk to about the pregnancy. Yes, twin pregnancies are much higher risk. And it was one of the reasons that Dory and I always put in one embryo every time we did a transfer. Um, yeah, I mean, you uh, people almost never get... like it, It's hard to get twins to go full term. Mm-hmm. Twins have a much higher rate of being in the NICU, which is like very stressful they can't look they can't there's only so much room in there you know and they're growing so there comes a point where it's like there's a higher risk for the mom um yes they are higher risk i don't think i think it's being emphasized because there are higher risks um second what is the latest and most cutting-edge research saying about transferring one versus two embryos for women with a good prognosis my age 37. To complicate matters even further, we are moving to Florida directly after my July stimulation and fresh transfer. So if this thing doesn't work, we'll have to deal with the hassle and expense of getting the frozen embryos, fr- fingers crossed that we have frozen embryos, what? to Florida or the expense of coming back to the South Bay for additional transfers. I have some questions. How long after this transfer are you moving to Florida? If you're moving like the day after, don't do the transfer. You, you you should be in a state of uh, zen and not stressing. It's a hard thing to wrap your head around when you're in it. But like, look, even my sperm was like, Mm-mm, this is not working. You're too stressed out. So it, it, it you have to, if you're not going to genetic, do a genetic test on the embryos, then your job should be Make the most inviting environment possible. And that would be a nice, stress-free environment. Now, if you're moving three weeks after, okay. I'll allow it. But if you're, like, moving... If you're doing a transfer on Tuesday and you're moving on Friday, it's like, adios mios. So, I think... The the question of whether to transfer one or two is different. The answer is different depending on whether you're doing a fresh or a frozen transfer. If you were doing a frozen transfer with genetic testing, I would say definitely transfer only one. Yes, but they're doing fresh. With a fresh transfer, I think it is a little 
different. Um, I think people do transfer to more often with well, a fresh transfer. It's more of a, with a fresh transfer, right? It's more of like a see what sticks kind of situation. Yes. So this is, this has also come up a lot in the Facebook group. If you are not in the Facebook group, I would suggest going there. This just came up recently. Maybe you were the one to ask the question. Um, someone just asked this about transferring one versus two embryos. Um, so you will get a lot of opinions of people who did one or the other and how it worked out for them. Mm -hmm. But from our perspective, we never transferred two, but we also never did a fresh transfer. That's true. So I also don't know, are you transferring a three day embryo or are you transferring a five day embryo? You're transferring two. If you're, if you're thinking about transferring three day embryos, that then do two. That to me is more of a case for doing two. Yes. Because if this, you know, you're not having, you're not giving the embryos a chance to split the cells to divide, divide. Um, but there's, and there's people who say that, uh, the, you know, the uterus is a more hospitable environment for them to grow than the lab. There is sure, that theory. Sure. Oh, we got to let Holly go. We sure do. Should we um, take a pause? She's babysitting so we can have a podcast happen. Yeah. Um, it's 503. Oh boy. Here we go. It's just so nice to be talking about IVF again. Cause I don't feel clueless. It's, it's, you know, like true. when I'm talking about parenting, I do. I'm like, Oh, yep. but IVF. Oh boy. Do we know our ins and outs and outs and ins back in the game? <laughs> um, all right. Long story short. Talk to your OB if you're so concerned about the uh, pregnancy, twin pregnancy um, risks, you should know them from a doctor. Uh, yes, fresh transfer, three days, maybe do two if you're not going to genetically test. I understand that genetic testing is expensive. Boy, oh boy, do I understand it. Um, but it's cheaper than doing two transfers. That's correct. That was just where my brain was going, honey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's that on, if you're going to do fresh three day, maybe a little more likely than a five. Uh, but again, if you're going to move immediately in the long run, Doing a whole new round in Florida or getting the embryos transferred, it's going to be a lot cheaper to get those embryos transferred to Florida or for you to fly over back over to the South Bay. Yep. So that is my advice. My advice is hopefully you're moving a few weeks after the transfer and everything's fine. That's what I hope for you. All right. Be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh boy, we're back. Anybody else got an IVF question? I'm ready. Yeah, we have I'm another IVF zone. question from I'm Emily. In the zone. Um, she says, as a fellow IVFer, Mazel. I've I can hear the monitor. Good. I have so appreciated your podcast. My question is about how you maintain the element of surprise and celebration when everything IVF related is so planned and calculated. For example, since our parents and very close friends all will know about our transfer and test date, I feel I I feel like I've been robbed of the grand reveal, so to speak, that we huh. would have had if we hadn't needed IVF. Is this crazy? Any advice? Thanks so much, Emily from NYC. Oh, there is a grand reveal. It's did it work? Yeah. You know, they just know you're trying. I also, I feel like grand reveals are overrated. I agree. But not to take anything away from your your want of a grand reveal, there is one. And it's, hey, did this, did it take? What's your beta? Yeah. yeah. So get ready. But yeah, I mean, you, you don't really get that same element of surprise. But you can have an element of celebration. Celebration is just like surprise, but with more cake. Totally. Now Dory's taking the monitor. She didn't trust me to use it. No, I trust you, but I could still hear it. You shouldn't. It's muted. No, I could hear the interference. Oh, I didn't hear that. I heard it. Interesting. We've established that. You think, you think I'm deaf, but I think my hearing is actually better than yours. Well, we know I'm, I have tinnitus in one ear and yeah. often will lose hearing in my left ear. Yes. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I would just, I would say celebrate the things, celebrate whatever you want. Celebrate your beta. Celebrate your first ultrasound. Just create your own celebrations and, and don't feel like, well, I, I'm not going to tell you how to feel, but but... I think the idea of having like the big reveal surprise, you know, it, it, it's okay that it's that it's. Let me just say, I'm so glad that Dory and I didn't have to hit a pinata to find out the gender of the baby, <laughs> or have like an exploding cake or whatever they do now. Yeah, or open up a box of cupcakes. Yeah. To discover. Totally. We just happened to open an email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. Who was he from? Round one or two? Henry. Two. All right. That's why he's eating so much, everybody. He's two and a half years old. Yep. He was just in the freezer getting mm. hungry. Um, all right. This email is from Kate. Hi, guys. I'm so happy that things have worked out so well for you. I'm in my 60s with no children and never desired any, but I've popped into your podcast occasionally just to see how things were going for you <laughs> on your journey. On one show from last summer or fall, Matt mentioned a book called The Obesity Code. I decided to look into it, bought it, and learned so much about why a lifetime of dieting has been one failure after another. I decided to jump in, but gave myself permission to have some pizza or something sweet once in a while. It's morphed into about every six to eight weeks. Mm. In just over six months, I've lost 41 pounds. Unbelievable. And looking forward to an easier fitting seat on my flight to England next week and more energy to walk the hills in the little fishing village where I'll be staying for three weeks. Oh, that sounds great. I can't thank you enough for turning me on to that book. When I return from my trip, I will be continuing this way of eating because I still 
still have lots to lose. I hope you found it useful yourself and hope you have the same success. Well, I don't, but I'm glad that you did. And that's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you for letting us know. I really have got to figure this out now. Now that we're like, now that the visitors are gone. Yeah. And like, we're getting into a pattern of life. I got to figure it out. Anyway, long story short, we're doing a lot of Instacarting and postmating and all that stuff because breaking news, having a newborn, there's very little time for anything else. It's true. Uh, well, that brings us to the end. I can't believe it already. Thank you all. Thank you. Most of you. Uh, but also a big thanks to our Patreon supporters. They're the best around. If you they are us. owed two episodes this month. Yep. We, we got to record tomorrow uh, and probably the day after that. You can get up to two bonus episodes per month at patreon.com slash excellentadventure. And if you support us at the $5 level or above, you'll also get your name read on the podcast each month. And you also get the whole back catalog of the Patreon episodes once you sign up. And there's a lot at this point. I was like, you said bat catalog. I was like, ooh, that sounds exciting. Yep. So Same the bat, bat catalog. catalog. Okay. All right. So thanks to the following eggheads. SJV. Stephanie Thompson. Stephen Azar. Susan Fisher. Susan Ludwig. Tanya Davidova. Tanya Kerchemin. Uh, the Holterman clan. The Kembles. Tina Raudio. Tyne Ludwig. Tracy Jury. Uh, Tracy Johnson. Valerie Green. Victoria D. Sandy Berry. Alexandra Fay. Allie, Charlie's mom. Allison St. Louis. Amanda Lanceter. Amanda Schramm. Andrea. Anna Appleton Clayton. Anonymous. Ashley Meller. Ashley Wager. Brooke McIntyre. Brian Gusky. Um, Carolyn. Cassie Joe. Catherine Field. Chadwin. Claire Deasley. I'm sorry. Deely. You skipped Christina. I didn't mean to skip Christina. I was scrolling and trying to read at the same time. Dana Larrick. Danny Cav. Danielle Nutriforo. Dean Wilson. Deanna McLean. Elena Katkin. Eliza Dayton. Elise. That's what I meant. Because the next person is Eliza. Elise Dayton. Elizabeth. Elliot Anaya. Emma Summer. Gita Drury. Greer Watson. Greta. Holly Purpura. Jackie Spagnolo. Uh, Jane Ennis. Jeff and Marnie. Jennifer Simon. Jennifer T. Brennan. Jennifer Wang. Jenny Fick. Joanna Reinwald. Jordan Hamesley. Kaylee Hendrickson. Kalila. Karen Perlman. Kareen Labrie. Catherine, Kathleen Gilchrist. I don't Katie Combs Pritchard. Katie Joyner. Katie McKenzie. Carrie L. Laura Bennett. Lauren K. Lauren Schultz. Line. Nope. Lynn <laughs> Nugent. M. Upcher. Uh, Madeline Deathlifts. Maggie Scow. Menomina. <laughs> Mara Fass. Marid. Maria Bishop. Mary M. Mary Messick. Megan Drury. Melanie Bronbeck. Michelle Chizinski. Nancy Olson. Naomi Nixon. Nicole Mustafa. Olga Zidstra. Rebecca Dowson. Rebecca Tran. Rob Bain. Robin Riggs. Samantha. Sarah Laura. Laura. Lauer? Sarah Lauer. <laughs> Sasha <laughs> That's B. totally what it says. Uh, Satish Pilalamari. 
Shanna Mandel. Sir Reginald Pennybottom. The Buyer's Ease. Teresa Kuhn. Tiffany Stevens. Valerie Anderson. And Wendy Fick. Thank you, everybody out there. Okay. So sorry, I just had a little chocolate from Diane M. Martin. Yeah. Thank you, Diane. Uh, excited about that Patriots one. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, so we'll be with you next week. If you're in the Patreon, tune in this week. We'll be putting out those bonus episodes. We sure will. Also, a note to Patreoners. Um, we're going to post asking for questions. Head on over and ask us some questions. Could be about anything. I already posted for the first bonus app. Could be about James Bond. Could be about the OC. We know a lot of about both of them. All right. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Bye.